0: Anyway, let's get into our word this morning. Right at the end of the service today, we are going to have a baptism service, and if you're here to be baptized, uh, when I finish the message, uh, guys, I'll have you go over here to my right. Your left, ladies, you'll go over here to my left. Your right, and we're excited to have that follow through today. Isaiah chapter nine, verse number two. Just one passage. I love, I love the book of Isaiah, particularly at Christmas time, um, and it, you know, I love the names of Jesus and I love what Isaiah says about the promised Messiah. Well, I want to read one verse to you this morning, and that's verse number two. It says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. Let me read that again. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. Now, uh, just just for... Uh, last Sunday, we took a trip in our illustrated sermon that we did last week. We took a trip back in time to get some insight from some of the characters of Christmas. And, and I just want to remind you this morning that there were, uh, we covered several characters last week, but there were a lot of other characters that were involved in the Christmas story that made the Christmas story what it is that we didn't talk about. And uh, we covered some of the prominent ones. But I, I want to remind you this morning that the birth of Jesus was not a random act okay it just was not one of those things that just kind of happened in fact the bible says when speaking of jesus it says that he was the lamb slain when before the foundation of the world so again you have to understand that everything that has happened in this story was done on purpose by god okay there there was nothing random about it there was nothing accidental about it Uh, it was a deliberate act of god that was set in motion from the foundation of the world and, and, and to me, that ought to be something very encouraging because every one of us here are on assignment, just like these characters, every single one of these characters were, were filling their role on purpose at that time. You know, Luke, uh, excuse me, David, David, Paul, I'll get it right. I'll go through all the disciples and <laughs> anybody ever do something like that? Uh, so, so the apostle Paul, remember last week said it was the fullness of time that Christ came. In other words, when everything was aligned exactly how God wanted it to be aligned, then the Messiah came. These Christmas characters were chosen by God for their time. Whatever their assignment was, whether it was the innkeeper, whether it was the the shepherds, the wise men, uh, Zechariah, all of those were chosen at that time, each playing their part in this great redemption story. Now, I want you to fast forward to December the 11th, 2022. Every single one of us seated here today and everyone tuned in this morning online, we have been chosen by God for such a time as this. Please understand that you are not here as a random act that before you were ever born, God had mapped. I know that's hard for us to contemplate and our minds to grab hold of that truth. But listen, there was a reason that Mike Mizell, that I was born on November the 29th 1965 in Mobile, Alabama. There was a reason for that. And it was not just so I could be an Alabama fan. Okay? There was a, re- there was a reason. Amen. There was a reason that you were born. And regardless of the circumstances in which you were born, okay, regardless of those circumstances, God assigned you for this time. You were here today, alive today in 2022, to take part in God's continuing story of redemption i don't know about you but that excites me it excites me to understand that my days are ordered by the lord that i don't have to worry about my meaning of life i don't have to worry about the purpose of life that if i will just follow in discipleship of christ have that relationship with him then he will map out my course that's a powerful reality you know when we come to this time of the year most people I, most of the people i know love christmas they love this time of year uh, I, I, I understand there's some scrooges anybody ever met a scrooge I'm not talking one you live with I'm talking no I'm just kidding I'm just kidding <laughs> you know we, we we all they're always scrooges but I think for the most part people really do love this time of year I realize that a lot of the meaning has been lost with all of the push for trinkets and and toys but I want you to think about this for a minute no matter where you go the sights and the sounds of Christmas fill the air I love, I love hanging out with and watching little kids with their first experiences. I love watching children, particularly this time of year, they are mesmerized by the lights and the sounds and the decorations, Amen. you know, and, I, and you got to love technology. You, you really have to love technology this time of year because we actually have lights that dance. I mean, you you have lights that, that, that dance across, I mean, they do really incredible things, I I was uh, had the grand, two granddaughters over the other night, and uh, you know, I guess the popular thing to do today is YouTube. And so we sat there, and and, and they said, "Papa, let's YouTube Christmas songs." One of my favorites to YouTube is uh, King and Country, "Little Drummer Boy." If you've not seen it, you need to go. It will it will rock your world. It is incredible. But I also like uh, Bob Seger's version. Now, if any of you know. Somebody like who in the world's Bob Seger? I know that's dating myself, and that's going back a little while. But Bob Seger has one uh, little drummer boy, and the reason I like it is because there was somebody—I don't even know where it was—but they made this YouTube video, and it had their house is immaculately decorated, but the the lights are synchronized with the song, and so you sit there and watch this song, and all the lights—you got the tree lights doing this and you got there and i just I, i'm like a little child i'm not i'm i'm 57 years old i'm not a little child but i'm mesmerized by that i love this time of year i love seeing people's creativity and again all the sights and sounds fill the air uh regardless regardless of the scrooges in our world today you know during this time of advent i want you to hear this we not only celebrate the birth of jesus but we anticipate the second coming of christ See, that's what Advent is all about. The word Advent literally means coming, means coming. And so, what, uh, th- so think about it in the context, as we celebrate Advent, we literally are, are celebrating a past event hanging on to a future promise of His return again. That, that's what makes Christmas such a special time of the year, is that we celebrate the fact that Jesus already came, okay? He came as a baby, the incarnation of Christ, The Word became flesh and became one of us to do for us what we cannot do ourselves, and that is we cannot save ourselves. But then he went back to heaven. Remember he said in John 14, he said, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me and my Father's house. He said, I'm going to go away, and I'm going to prepare, but I'm coming back. See, that's what Advent is all about. That's what Christmas season, it, it, it was originally a guarantee, it was a promise to a group of people that were suffering Uh, in a world of darkness and again I know it's become very commercialized uh, you know but wrapped up in that celebration that we have is a promise of Jesus return and that's why Christmas is important Isaiah in our text says that the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light those who dwell in the land of deep darkness the light on them has shone. think about that this verse I could take it in many different angles. I've never preached in my 30 years of being a pastor here. I've never preached specifically on this verse, but it is packed with incredible meaning. Incredible meaning. One of the listen, one of the many truths and I think we would all agree on this this morning uh, regarding Christmas time is that right now you and I live in a world filled with darkness. Again, it do, it doesn't matter where you tune in. You can watch any newscast, you can pick up any magazine or periodical or anything like that. And you know we live in a world that is filled with darkness. We have hatred. We have violence in our streets. We have the disintegration of the family unit in our culture. Uh, we, I, mean, I mean, you think about it. One of the things plaguing America right now is father, fatherlessness. It, 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 it's, it's tearing our nation apart. Violence in the streets, political divisiveness. It's, it's, it's everywhere. So we live in a dark time. And and I mentioned this last week that when Jesus was born, you got to understand there had been a spiritual darkness over the land for over 400 years. It was a time of darkness. I mean, try to imagine going one day without the abiding presence and power of the Holy Spirit in your life. I mean, that's even hard to fathom going one day and yet these people live for 400 years without a fresh word from God without a prophet from God there was no one communicating uh, from God to man and so it was a time of darkness and and again as we talk about Advent it's the future promise of his return I, I I would dare to say that there were people there much like they are today there were people that probably during that 400 years of darkness probably scoffed at the religious crowd saying you know you keep t- saying the Messiah is coming but where is he I mean, we haven't heard from the Messiah in years. Where is the Messiah? You keep telling us He's coming. You keep telling us that the promise is He's coming. Listen, there's 333 specific prophecies in the Old Testament that talk about the coming of the Messiah the first time. Where is He? What did Peter say? Peter said, in the last days, scoffers will arise, and they will say, where is His appearing? everything continues just like again that's the time that we live in right now people if you tell people that you're looking uh Dennis Thacker earlier this morning our morning service was telling me he got a phone call from a salesman that was trying to sell him a burial policy a funeral policy and he said I told the man well to get a funeral policy that means you got to die and he said I'm not dying I'm going into rapture and the guy goes click (laughs) click hung up the phone there's scoffers today that don't believe that Jesus is coming. Doesn't change the fact that he's coming, but they don't believe that he's coming. Listen, we live in that time of darkness. And, and you've got to understand, darkness is a dangerous thing. I mean, how many have ever got up in the middle of the night in the dark, tried to find your way? Listen, I'm convinced that the only purpose for a coffee table is to remind you that you have a little toe. <laughs> I, believe, I believe that. I mean, darkness is a dangerous thing. I mean, think about Christmas. Anybody know what the shortest day of the year is? Anybody? December 21st. December 21st. Shortest day of the year. So think about this in the context of darkness. Christmas time is in the darkest time of the year. It's in the darkest time of the year. The sun rises later. It sets earlier. The days are shorter. The nights become longer. I mean, their place is right now in Alaska and other parts of the world that the sun went down a few weeks ago and will not come up again until March. That's their place. When a couple years ago, COVID killed this, but most of you know, we do mission trips every year. And so in 2020, we were slated to go to Iceland. Okay. Now that's a green place. Greenland is the ice place. I didn't name it. That's just the way it is. (laughs) So so we were supposed to go to Iceland, and we were going in July, and they tell me in July it is the month of unending sun or the summer sun, which means it never sets. So so the missionary was telling me that there were people that would come over, teams that would come over, and they would work during the day, and then some of them would be touring at 2 a.m. in the morning because the sun never went down. Well, you flip that and there are places that's dark right now and will not see light until March. Darkness is a, is a difficult thing. Isaiah was writing to a group of people that were very familiar to, uh, to, to, with the darkness. They knew what it was to live in, in darkness. He talks about a people that are living in the land of the shadow of death. Listen, that doesn't sound like a bucket list tourist place, right? That's a place I don't want to go. I, I don't want to be in a place of perpetual darkness. I don't want to be in a place of the the land of the shadow of death. And, and for Israel, this was a time. It was a time of war. I mean, King Ahaz of Judah had formed a partnership with the a little bit of context here. He had formed a, a, an alliance, if you will, with Assyria. And then they launched an attack on northern Israel. That's what's going on here. And, and the Bible says the entire land of Zebulon and, and Naphtali were, were, were totally ruined. They were sitting, sitting in ruins. But it was not just that type of darkness that they were dealing with. It was a time that they were spiritually dark. You see, we can talk about natural darkness and we understand it, but there's a spiritual darkness that is dangerous, very dangerous. During this time, they were living in a time of spiritual darkness. King Ahaz, for instance, had promoted idolatry. Again, one thing that we know from studying Israel throughout the history of the Old Testament is that God does not like idolatry. There were many, many captivities because Israel could not stop serving other gods when all along they made a covenant with God to serve him and him alone. And so Ahaz, King Ahaz had promoted idolatry and the nation had become laden with sin. They turned to mediums and superstition and they became self-centered and arrogant and materialistic and they turned to drugs and they turned to alcohol. Kind of seems like where we are today, right? Violence injustice abuse of power homelessness all of these things were part of the darkness in which isaiah is writing families were being ripped apart grieving was everywhere as a result listen it was happening 800 years before jesus was born and i promise you it's still happening today in 2011 there's darkness in our land there's darkness we have people that are no no longer standing on the truth of god's word his eternal truth We're living in a time when Isaiah chapter 5 says that there will be people who will call good evil and evil good. And we live in that time right now when things that were once held on to as sacred are no longer sacred anymore. What we have, and again, I'm not waxing political, but now we can't even make up uh, our minds in this country what bathroom we need to go in. Again, and and I don't say that facetiously or, or, or as a humor, I, I'm just saying that's where we are. We're living in a very dark time where we have thumbed our nose at the creator of God and said, you know what, we don't need you anymore. Yes. See, that's kind of what's happening here. The spiritual application of darkness here, they were blinded to the truth. They were blinded to the truth. Their culture was fear, filled with spiritual ignorance. And even though if you look at that time, they were hungry, they, were, they had a thirst for knowledge, the problem is they never found it. You know, do you know what the most expensive thing of all in our world today? I was looking over a list this week, trying to figure out some of the most expensive gifts ever given. Years ago, when Mike Tyson was at his prime, uh, who was that lady he married, Robin Givens? Yeah. So uh, when they first got married, you know, he was at the pinnacle of his boxing career and he gave her for Christmas a gold bathtub, 3.6 million dollars. a bathtub. Anyway, I'll leave that one there. (laughs) Do you know what the most expensive thing of all is? Ignorance. Ignorance. What people say, well, you know, what they don't know won't hurt. No, what you don't know will hurt you. Especially when it comes to spiritual things, what we don't know can tie our hands, it can bind us up and sabotage us. Their culture was filled with with spiritual ignorance because they they thought they knew better. In fact, Isaiah even goes and tells us exactly what's happening to them in their spiritual ignorance. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 21 and 22. Here's how he described their futile search for wisdom. He said, distressed and hungry. They're distressed and they're hungry. He said, they will roam through the land. They will look toward the earth and see only distress, darkness, darkness, and fearful gloom so so you say well what does that mean well it means that while they were roaming in their their darkness okay they committed sin they did the idolatry while they're roaming in that darkness they're looking to human resources to fix their broken world that's what's happening they were turning to the experts they were turning to the mystics and the politicians and the and and the scholar listen if it's not broke don't ask a politician to fix it because they'll mess it up for sure that's no different today that's the way it was all that was way it was back then they turned to their politicians they turned to scholars they turned to their scientists all trying to fix the world that was broken see they knew the world was broke they knew that they were living in darkness but they determined that they could fix it themselves kind of sounds like washington dc right now we got all these problems and we're trying to find man-made solutions to all of these problems. Listen, what's going on in our world is nothing more than darkness. And I promise you that laws will not change the darkness. The laws will not change the heart of man. It is only God that can change the heart of man. You know, we do the same thing today. We look at the institutions of man to solve our issues. I mean, we might be free to say, well, yeah, we've got problems. But we think we can overcome with our intellect and our innovation." And we say we don't need God you know what because I got it figured out we got this no you don't got this it's not the way of a man is not within himself it is not within a man who walks to determine his path you don't have this see this is the mindset of those who are living in the land of the shadow of death this is the darkness that has plagued mankind since sin was entered into the world by nature think about this by nature we walk in darkness And by nature, we love the darkness. Here's the thing, left alone, man will always choose darkness. That's our nature. You know why? Because we love the darkness. We love the darkness. We are dead, Paul said, in our trespasses and sin, and we're guilty before God. Even today, there are people who dwell in the land of the shadow of death. They're still there right now spiritually we live in a time when people are living in a perpetual state of darkness oh they may come to church every once in a while they may sing a song and they may give a little in the offering or what have you but they're still living in a perpetual state of darkness they become here's a problem with modern christianity is that they become used to the darkness and they become very comfortable with it listen our job as believers is not to make peace with the darkness that's not that's not who God called us to be. See, this is why the Christmas story is so important. It marks the time that the light came. They lived in darkness, they had perpetual darkness, but in the fullness of time, the light came. See, man's darkness cannot be dispelled by man's efforts. No matter how hard you try, again, we can say man in the generalization, but listen, Mike's problems can't be dispelled by Mike's efforts. Your problems cannot be dispelled by your efforts. It's got to have something more than that. Deliverance cannot be produced by human means. Only God could provide deliverance, and and he did so by sending his only son into the world to die for us. In fact, John 1.9 calls Jesus the true light. The true light. Oh, there are others that come to pretend to be light, but they're full of darkness. They're not light. Jesus is the true light he is this is the light of peace and it is a light of destiny instead of darkness of death what does he do the lord gives us the light of life instead of the darkness of ignorance the lord gives us the light of of knowledge instead of the darkness of sin jesus gives us the light of salvation that's why the light is important it was into this environment that isaiah speaks listen when all human efforts and attempts to remove the darkness fail. You know what God does? He intervenes when the fullness of time came. When the darkness had got to a point and everything lined up, the light came. That's why Christmas is so important. Isaiah said, "Those who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Light, what does light do? Light illuminates. Light reveals hidden things. Again, Uh, Darkness, uh, think about this. Darkness, what does it do? It breeds fear and it breeds anxiety. That's why there are people that during the months of, of, of winter, they go into a state of depression. There are people that, it's a clinical diagnosis. There are people that battle with a depression. I forget what the technical term is, but there are people that deal with winter depression because of the lack of light. It brings fear and anxiety while light brings hope and it brings comfort. The light has come. The light that Isaiah speaks of, what is it? Well, I'll tell you what it is. It begins with the birth of a child. If you drop down to verse number six, here's what he says. For unto you, or unto us, a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. See, that's the light that he's talking about. Those who dwell in darkness have seen a great light. What is the light? It is Christ, the Wonderful One, the Counselor, the Everlasting Father, the Mighty God. That's Him, the Prince of Peace. See, at the birth of Jesus, light began to shine in that darkened world. Luke says it like this. In Luke chapter 8, says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone about them think about it in that dark judean night a night like had been happening for 400 years in that dark night the light came and the glory of heaven filled that darkness where they were and the bible says and they were so amazed you know what if you live in darkness right now if you're living in darkness right now you don't have that relationship with christ i promise you when you accept jesus christ as your lord and savior it's like the glory of heaven pow It's like a spotlight comes on you and there's an illumination that takes place on the inside. There is a joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. All of a sudden, the fears are gone. The anxieties are gone. The peace that surpasses all understanding flood your heart and your life. And it's just like them. And you're sorely amazed because you think, man, what took me so long? His light shines in our darkness, calming our fears and giving us hope and comfort. See, that's part of the Christmas miracle, my friend the light has come. If you don't hear anything else, I say, regardless of where you are in your life right now, the light has come. We live in dark days. Evil is rampant everywhere we turn. But as you and I celebrate Christmas two weeks from today, we're reminded that the light has come. See, it's not about I saw Mommy kissing Santa Claus underneath the mistletoe last night. It's not about Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid, Donner, and Blitzen, and Rudolph, don't forget. It's not about any of them. It's not about Frosty. It's about the light that has come to illuminate and shine. What does light do? Light dispels darkness. If you have a dark area in your life, get some light. Get some light in your life. See, you can verify this. Do you know you can, you can test this out? You got, now, when you get home, here's what you need to do. Go into your bedroom, okay? Go into your bathroom in the bedroom. If you have a, well, they call that on HDTV. They talk so proper, Ensuite. suite you have an ensuite that means if you have a master bathroom okay for us in the south (laughs) turn the light out shut the door and then turn the light on in the bedroom and then open the door and what happens now now listen you got to be real quick okay because light travels at 186,000 miles a second that's faster than a ford (laughs) so you got to be fast (laughs) Open the door, and what happens? Does the darkness of the bathroom flood the light of the bedroom, or does the light of the bedroom flood into the darkness of the bathroom? There it is. See, light dispels darkness. That's what light does. That's why, listen, you, you, that's why it's so important. When, you, when there's light, you can't have darkness. You can't have darkness. Darkness cannot overtake the light, but light always overtakes and drives out the darkness. You know what another thing light does? Light gives direction. It gives direction. When we walk in the light, you know what we do? We see our path clearly and we know where to go. When I was in the military, we would deploy, and one of the things that we had to learn was what what's called blackout driving. So if you, anybody in the military, you understand what I'm talking about. Blackout driving. That's a weird concept, okay? Blackout driving is you know when we had our m151 jeeps and we had our hummers and they had this little bitty thing uh on the front of on the left hand side the driver's side a little bitty contraption that had like a pinhole light and then on the back you had another one that had a pinhole for the tail light and so in the middle of the night we'd go out on the on a on a deployment in the dark and your, your, your eyes get adjusted to the night, okay? That's why I'm saying people get comfortable with the darkness. And you could drive in blackout conditions by paying attention to that little light on the back of that vehicle. When that red, red light illuminated, you better stop because you're going about to run into the guy. And you got used to it. When I was in Louisiana, I remember one time, night... Uh, light that little bitty little bitty light saved my bacon i'm driving at peace on ridge which is a live fire place there in in louisiana and we're doing night driving and i'm we're driving along and the light i'm leading the pack i'm the point and i'm leading and that little bitty light illuminated enough that i saw this 1500 pound cow laying in the middle of the road and I stopped just in time because of the illumination. What I'm saying is light is very, very important. That would have been a bad night to hit that cow. <laughs> light gives direction. It gives us the ability to see clearly and know our path. That's why, listen, that's why flashlights are a big deal, right? I mean, when you get up in the middle of the darkness, you better have some sort of light or you're going to be kicking all kinds of things and saying, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. If your, if your path is not illuminated, you're going you're gonna to be stepping places that you're later going to regret. Again, it give, another thing light like does, it gives illumination. We, what does that mean? It means we see things clearer. I don't know about you, but when I rededicated my life to the Lord in 1985, it brought clarity to me. I was raised in church. You know, Most of you know my story. Raised in church, third generation. When I became a teenager, I became an idiot. Ran away from home. Got messed up in the worldly stuff. Everything the world said was important and I needed. Got messed up in all that kind of stuff. But in a barracks in San Antonio, Texas in 1985, I rededicated my life to the Lord. And you know what it does? It brought clarity to me. All of a sudden, I started seeing truly that the things that this world offers and says I need for success and happiness and joy, it always leaves me bankrupt, empty, and longing for more. But Jesus... He gives me joy, and He gives me purpose, and He gives me structure, and it was, it was illuminating to me. That's what I'm saying, this light. You know, Jesus said to the, His disciples in, in John chapter 8, He said, I am the light of the world. And then He goes on and adds this promise. Whoever follows me will never, listen to what He said, never, everybody say never, never. will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Did you get that this morning? Jesus says, here's a promise. He assures us that no matter what happens in life, however, as long as we're walking in that covenant relationship with Him, we'll never have to walk alone. Isn't that good? I'll never have to walk alone. There'll never be a time in your life if you if you become a Christ follower and you walk in that covenant relationship when you have to wander in darkness. See, the people who dwell in darkness can see a great light. So as I. Bring this in for a close as we get ready for uh, communion, for uh, baptism. Guys, come on back. Here in a moment, I'll dismiss the rest of you. Let me ask you this question. Are you walking in darkness today? Are you walking in darkness today or are you living in his light? See, that's a choice that we get to make. The light has come and the light is here and the light is shining and he's radiating right now. But the question is, are you living in his light or are you living in darkness? See, right now, this Christmas, you know what we do? We find ourselves in a holding pattern. Everybody know what a holding pattern is? That means if you're flying on on an airliner and they get somewhere and you can't land, they, they, they do this big circle. That's a holding pattern. And they're hanging on for whatever needs to be remedied to be remedied so they can land. Right now, you and I are living in a holding pattern, much like the time when Isaiah wrote... They're, they're waiting, they were waiting for the first advent, you and I are waiting for the second advent. They were waiting for the first coming of Jesus, we're waiting for the second coming of Jesus. And again, when Isaiah wrote this prophecy, it was over 700 years before it was ever fulfilled. But on that first Christmas, he came. There might be scoffers, and there might be doubters, but listen to this preacher this morning, Jesus Christ is coming again. He's coming. And and you say, okay, so while we're in this holding pattern, what do we do? Well, here's the thing. We're not static, church. We cannot be static. Darkness has consumed our world, but the light has come. And when Jesus told his disciples, and I'm closing, he said, it's necessary for me to go away because if I don't go, the comforter won't come. And when Jesus left and the Holy Spirit came on Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, each of us, he resides within us. All of a sudden, we become light of the world. We walk as his light agents, and we carry that light wherever we go, to the job, to our leisure. Here's a big one, to our homes. Do you know you need to shine your light at home as well as anywhere else? Listen, we can't be living like the devil at home and living like a saint everywhere else. We need to shine our light wherever we go. And so that's what we do. And you know what? Jesus gave us marching orders. In Matthew chapter 28, remember what he said? He said, go therefore into where? All the world and shine your light, essentially. Go into all the world and shine your light. Acts chapter 1 said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you shall be my light bearers, my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to all the other parts of the world. Why? Because the light has come. So as I close this morning, are you plagued with darkness and fear? Are you in conflict? You know what, if you are, run to the light. Run to the light. Won't you stand with me this morning? If you're here to be baptized, ladies, if you'll go over here to my left, you're right. Guys, if you'll go over here to my right, you're left. So we make ready now. Let me ask you this this morning. While they're making their way to change and be ready for baptism, to be baptized today. Let me ask you, are you walking in his light today? Are you walking in his light or do you live in darkness? And how about this? Are there some areas of your life that are shadowed with darkness? You know, we're very good people. We're very good as human beings of compartmentalizing our lives, aren't we? We say, God, I'll give you everything but. I'll do anything except. I'll go anywhere but. But. We're very good at compartmentalizing our lives. See, that's a that's a shadow of darkness right there. You know what he wants to do? He wants to bring illumination to that. I'll serve in any ministry except, or I'll get involved in. You know how it is? We just talk ourselves into the darkness. We become comfortable with it, and we say things like, "Well, somebody else will do it." Somebody else will do it. And what happens is nobody else does it because that was your assignment. We get comfortable. So are you walking in this light? Are you living in darkness? Are there areas of darkness in your life right now that you need illumination? See, remember, one of the things that light does is it gives, it, it illuminates the path. What does that mean? It gives me direction. The psalmist writes in Psalm 119, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know, this book right here, it's not the philosophy of John or Moses or Elijah. It's not the ideology of Peter. It is God's Word. God has a way of telling us things that long before it ever happens. He has this camera that takes pictures before it develops. This is one of the fascinating things that I discovered when I committed my life back to Christ is that God's Word speaks to my life today. Everybody says, well, that's just an ancient book. No, this is a relevant book for today. It's a living Word I've never come across an issue in my life, my family's life. I've never struggled in, in, in the valley of decision that I could not turn to God's word and find illumination on what I need to do. Oh, this is not an exhaustive concordance of everything that God has done, everything Jesus has done. In fact, John said it's not possible that even the world itself contained the volumes. What it does is it gives me insight in the character of God so that when I'm in that spot, I'll know what he will do because he's already shown me. This book right here, It'll tell me how to be a good man. It'll tell me how to be a good husband. It'll tell me how to be a good Christian, a good friend, a good provider. It'll tell me how to raise my children, how to conduct my business, how to be an honest person. That's what this does. It's light. And it shows me a path. So this morning, I know they're getting ready but I do want to do it in every service. We're going to have an altar time. As they sing here in a moment, if you're here today, and say, Pastor, I want, to, I want to be light. Let me ask you, do you want to be His light? Jesus tells us we're the light of the world. Why? Because He went to heaven, and we have the Holy Spirit within us. We're carrying the light. We're light, light bearers. We're agents of the light. Everywhere we go, we are representing Him either positively or negatively. I can either spread light or I can spread darkness. It's my choice. When that waiter brings me the wrong order, I have a chance to shine. Or I have a chance to bring thunder. (laughs) It's my choice. Are you a light bearer? Do you want to be a light bearer? Do you have some areas of darkness that you want illumination in? Listen, if you're here this morning, you need prayer. While they sing, would you come? This is is your time. We'll pray, and then we'll have these ready to go to be baptized. But while they sing, would you come and say, Lord, here I am. I want to be your light bearer.
1: House of worship. This is a house of praise. Where every demon trembles where we proclaim your name this is a house of healing our hearts are full of faith you have our full attention you have the fine.
2: power, your blood runs through our veins, your kingdom triumphs over, even the cold